There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com. We are about to dive into a book that we've been waiting a very long time for. With us in the studio to talk to us about it as well is Alison K. Williams, who is a writer. And Hi edi- there. Hello. <laughs> she's a writer. She's an editor. She's also a coach. She wears many different hats. She's told stories on national public radio in the US and CBC Canada. And her work has appeared in noted literary magazines and the New York Times. She's also a quick reader because she's here reviewing The Testaments by Margaret Atwood, which was just published on Tuesday, I believe. So you are in time for our Book of the Week. Book of the Week, what you should be reading. So what better way to introduce the Testaments than with Margaret Atwood herself reading the introduction at her book launch. I write these words in my private sanctum within the library of Ardua Hall, one of the few libraries remaining after the enthusiastic book burnings that have been going on across our land. What betrayals and then what denunciations might lie in store for me? There are several within Ardua Hall who would love to get their hands on these pages. Wait, I counsel them silently. It will get worse. I do love the line that Margaret Atwood ends that first chapter of the Testaments with, wait, I counsel them silently. It will get worse. That is something that she is very good at, those end of chapter hooks to get you reading the next one. And speaking of waiting, it's been over three decades since the publication of The Handmaid's Tale. So the dystopian novel, it introduced us to the horrors of the Republic of Gilead and left its readers with some significant unanswered questions so saying that it is a much anticipated sequel is kind of an understatement and in honor of this momentous occasion the three of us have read i think all 415 of its glorious hardback pages to give you our spoiler free verdict has everybody yeah has everybody read it (laughs) yes yeah and i found it to be a pretty quick read um i'd recently reread the handmaid's tale uh maybe a year ago and it was it was it it clicks along i mean you're eager to find out what happens next and it's very interesting the way it goes between the three different women's points of view so what's the deal for anybody listening who hasn't picked up the book yet and doesn't know what to expect. We know it's a sequel of The Handmaid's Tale. Is it a direct continuation? What? Whose testimonies are, are she it's, sharing? It's skipped about nine years and she's showing the testimony of uh, Aunt, who is Aunt Lydia, who we all know from the first book and if you've been watching the series, also from the series. And this book definitely shows considerably more of Aunt Lydia's motivation, why she's doing what she's doing. It also shows the perspective of two young women, uh, one who is a white to be in the Republic of Gilead and who we discovered how her background connects her to the previous book and another young woman who lives in Canada which is not in the Republic of Gilead in the book and lives a quote-unquote free life and what happens when she goes back into Gilead as as an underground person. So we've got the gist of it and um, we're returning to the horrors of the Republic of Gilead in the Testaments. Question to both of you does it feel more or less relevant than it did three decades ago? More, more, far more more relevant. I mean, she brings in everything. You know, it is very, it's not just what the sequel to The Handmaid's Tale. It is also adding parts from the TV series. So I think she's been incredibly clever. She is the most brilliant writer, Margaret Atwood. And we were so honoured to have her at the festival several years ago. Um, And her, it's, it's her intellect, her huge intellect and ability 
to get into these people's characters and bring them to life and let us understand that if you had grown up in these very repressed societies, that's how you would think and that's how you would behave and what was taboo and what was not taboo. And it's relevance to the world around us where that, that there are so many parts that... I thought, my goodness, climate, you know, students protesting and so on and so forth. And I think it's really relevant too. Uh, when Margaret Atwood wrote the first book, she carried around with her a folder of newspaper clippings. And anytime someone said to her, you know, oh, well, that's just not realistic. You know, that would not happen. She would whip out her little newspaper clippings because while they didn't all happen in the same place at the same time, every single one of those things really happened. And she says it in the acknowledgments here, the television series has respected one of the axioms of the novel. No event is allowed into it that does not have a precedent in human history. And I think what's really compelling about the Testaments is that we are now watching from the inside, both as the readers and as the people, and as feeling the narrator of the book, if that makes sense. Like we, the people out in the world, are watching this happen from the inside, as well as the narrators of the book are watching this happen from the inside. There's a quote at the very end of the book where it's a similar structure to The Handmaid's Tale, where there's a symposium at the end, about, I think, 300 years in the future, where historians are trying to uncover the history of the Republic of Gilead and what actually happened and all these different testimonies. And in both is, cases, we find out that the book was a collection of papers that was found exactly. by historians. Which yeah. is a brilliant structure, I think is a great concept for for both of the books but one of the quotes that really stands out for me is history does not repeat itself but it rhymes and I think that that is I think the perfect quote if you're going to sum up the testaments and the theme of what it was trying to get across Mm. that would be it yeah and I mean it's uh, having listened to Margaret Atwood give interviews about this about um, I I mean it is very much focused on women Mm -hmm. and women um, what they the, the freedom they have to do what they want to do, whether it's about their own bodies, whether it's about, um, you know, them having supposedly smaller brains and no intellect and so on and so forth. All the kind of things that we, you know, she's quite right. They are being um, used time and again. Um, The different levels of women about what jobs they could do, what men's role is. And it's interesting how in this book, Aunt Lydia works hard within her political system to establish a quote unquote women's sphere in which they have the power and men are not allowed to trespass. Mm. And I think that's really interesting, too. This book for me also speaks a lot about the bonds between mothers and children and how powerful it is and how how valuable that connection is and how far women will go to establish or to reestablish that connection. And that is hugely, hugely uh, important and comes across. I mean, my heart goes out to Agnes Jemima, who is the um, uh, living, as it were, a privileged life Mm -hmm. um, because her father is in a high position and um, so on and so forth. And, you know, as the as the book, as the novel unfurls, you learn more about her her background And, and this whole sort of. The way that it's written, the Testaments, you know, you get these um, chapters that are being um, a written account, as it were, of each one, mm-hmm. but that really come to life. I mean, it is, it is honestly, um, and I do not think that you will, um, it will matter if you haven't read The Handmaid's Tale. Yeah, I that's think a really good point. Yeah. You can read this standalone. I'm sure you will then go back and read The Handmaid's Tale. Um, it's obviously 
sometimes better that you've had that but but it shouldn't put you off just getting a copy. And there are surprisingly few handmaids in this book. We yes. see them from the outside. We see them from a distance. There are no major characters in here who are handmaids. Exactly. And also, if you've only been watching the series of The Handmaid's Tale and maybe you haven't read the book or you haven't read it in a very long time, the first season basically ends where the first book ends. Mm -hmm. So if you take that as kind of your jumping point for where you approach the testaments that might help guide you because that was one of the things that I had to do before I read the testaments was just give myself a little bit of a heads up as to where things were in this novel and, and who was speaking and at what time and then I was all, all good to go so I would do a little bit of reacquainting yourself before jumping straight in but as Isabel says you can definitely just mm. go ahead and, and read this as a standalone and I think what Isabel says too about the three different perspectives you know you have the woman who's living the quote-unquote privileged life at one point point in the book a character commits suicide and one of the the characters says you know well why would anybody want to die and another one says no one wants to die but some people don't want to live in any of the ways that are allowed and I think that's really powerful just this idea that that how can you escape from this because uh, uh, you were saying uh, Annabelle about Aunt Lydia saying you know well what, what would you do what would you do if it was you? What what do you do when the tanks roll in? Mm -hmm. Do you throw yourself in front of the steamroller and go yeah. out in a glorious burst of so, martyrdom? So before you judge me, have yeah. a, you think about what, what I've gone through. One of the things that comes up in interviews with Margaret Atwood is she's often quoted as saying that she has never believed the phrase, it can't happen here, which I think underlines a lot of what we see in The Handmaid's Tale and now in The Testaments. And when I was reading The Testaments, something that came through that didn't in The Handmaid's Tale was the links to the current climate crisis. I think that comes through in a particular passage as well. In that vanished country of mine, things had been on a downward spiral for a year. For years, the floods, the fires, the tornadoes, the hurricanes, the droughts, the water shortages, the earthquakes, too much of this, too little of that, the decaying infrastructure. Why hadn't someone decommissioned those atomic reactors before it was too late? The tanking economy, the joblessness, the falling birth rate. People became frightened. Then they became angry. The absence of viable remedies, the search for someone to blame. Why did I think it would nonetheless be business as usual? Because we've been hearing these things for so long, I suppose. You don't believe the sky is falling until a chunk of it falls on you. And that was one of the, the moments in the book where I thought, I am genuinely, this is the, I think it was the moment where I was most terrified. Because everything else that happens is something that we've been introduced to in The Handmaid's Tale. But this felt particularly poignant. Seeing the transformation um, of the country that was Gilead to becoming the Republic of Gilead through the eyes of someone who's directly experiencing it. Because in the Testaments, we spend time with Aunt Lydia yeah. as she is becoming Aunt Lydia. We see what did she do before she became Aunt Lydia? What, how was she coerced or coaxed or badgered or interrogated into becoming a part of Gilead? And how did she then adjust her ambition to try to keep some sense of moral compass without dying? Mm -hmm. Yeah, she wanted to live, didn't she? Yeah. Very much wanted to live. And um, I think this, uh, the characters are very different in, in their experiences, in their take on um, living within the society or from without the society, yet they had a connection back, um, Daisy was, um, you know, it, she returns. And so so you just are immersed in, in their things, but you also understand 
And it's terrifying. And I found it particularly terrifying reading it as a female. Mm -hmm. I don't know how you felt. Oh, I've been uh, basically really depressed since I read it. Um, I read it and I, uh, on the airplane back home from uh, the US, I binge watched uh, the first, I think, four episodes of season one. And now my head is full of indelible, in, uh, indelible images and uh, desolate tragedy and a lack of hope. Lovely. Oh, yeah. Charming. <laughs> that we said, still it's a the really yes. good book. Um, it's a really, it's... It's not necessarily what I would call entertaining, but it is compelling. Mesmerizing. Yeah. Mm. And I found Aunt Lydia to be the most interesting character Absolutely. in the book. She was the one I most wanted to spend time with. She was the one I most wanted to know what she was up to. And because she had so much, didn't she? She she really was a schemer, highly intelligent, always would look for a, um, the best option for her out mm. of everything that she did. And in The Handmaid's Tale, you absolutely despise her. So for me, the testaments were so interesting because you got to go under the skin of somebody that you thought you you thought you knew her story, but you but you didn't. <laughs> and why? At all. Why did yeah. she become who she became, and why did she take the actions that she took? Um, you get to you really get to understand mm. that that sometimes um, we may think we have a choice, but we don't have a choice. There's a wonderful. Uh, uh, there's a wonderful quote from the book where she's addressing her reader, which I, that's another thing that Aunt Lydia does very well. She's always addressing the reader, um, imagining this bright, ambitious female academic looking through the history of Li Aunt Lydia's story. And she says, you'll labour over this manuscript of mine, reading and rereading. And she goes on to say, how can I have behaved so badly, so cruelly, so stupidly, you will ask? You yourself would never have done such things. But you yourself will never have had to. And that's the point that she makes all the time is you don't know because you didn't experience it. And I think it raises a really interesting question. You know, if one did find oneself suddenly living under a totalitarian regime and your choice is go along with the regime and either be as powerful as you can in it or as inconspicuous as you can in it or be dead, you know, what are you going to choose? Yeah. She asked some very change compelling it from within. Ifs. Change yeah. it from within. I yeah. mean, I think that that is the, uh, you know, maybe that's the ultimate message from Margaret Atwood, that, that it is within our power collectively to make our world better on so many counts. But mm. if we believe that we are defenseless and that we have no, 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 we're not empowered um, you know, every little bit, every little less use every day of, of one use plastic or, you know, eating less red meat, all of those things. If as a, as a, as a world we adopt those things, the world will get better. And I think that's one place where the Testaments misses the mark a bit. Mm. Um, in the third act, a lot of time is spent on uh, basically a big chase scene. And it's interesting and it's neat to see how it comes out. But I think it's a bit of a cheat to not show us how does Gilead come down? Because we've mm. all been wondering that since the, the afterword of the first book, you know, this, uh, this academic symposium. And in this book, we get another symposium. And I think, it's, I think it's a little lacking that it shows us these women's plans, but we don't actually get to see how any of those plans turn out. And I'm sure Atwood did that on purpose because she she's a brilliant writer, but I don't like it. Uh, she, uh, they asked, she was asked in an interview when the book was launched, um, uh, is this the final part of 
uh, Gilead and the whole story, as it were. And she said, never say never. So yeah. she's left the ending that it can go. We can have a, we can have a, you know, uh, as as did the wonderful Hilary Mantel. We've got the third book of the um, uh, Cromwell se uh, uh, sequel coming up in March. So so maybe there's another book. Maybe there's another book to come. I think she's gearing up for a, a trilogy. Um, so I'm going to leave you with this before we pop in a bookmark. Margaret Atwood was asked about her popularity and the popularity of The Handmaid's Tale in recent years and what she was most proud of. And she said to the interviewer, I'm Canadian. We don't do proud of. And the interviewer said, what do you do? Margaret Atwood responds, less embarrassed by. <laughs> Beautiful. I, Margaret Atwood is just brilliant. There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcast at DubaiEye1038.com.